0: You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, welcome again to the Capitol Church. Um, just so you know, I feel like, I feel like a team here writing, writing just bangers for us. Uh, those just continue to roll. Some good news for you, if you're wondering. Uh, we have heard, we have heard from you uh, that we, we kind of like throw out some new songs that are being written here and we sing them on Sundays and we, we continue to hear... Uh, where are those that I could actually listen to them throughout the week? And I would say uh the right people are working on that. In fact, one has been completed, uh, the song With Me that we've sung a number of times here. Uh, that's going to be released on Spotify and Apple Music November 18th, and then stuff's going to be continuing. Uh, I think before Christmas, there should be three songs out in, on those platforms that are originals for you to be listening to. Um, they're gonna come out before the holidays is the plan, not because they're holiday songs, uh, but just because that is the process. Uh, Just so you know, I didn't know that the type of significant process it would take to like record that and then uh, have it be all mixed. I don't know, I don't do it. Um, But just so you know, that's being worked on. We're we're uninterested in like creating a brand, um, but we do wanna get songs that were written for our church into your hands beyond this room. And so know that that's happening and those will continue to come out. Um, as always, I actually got told a couple times last week that I didn't mention Ohio State football to start last week's service. And some of you were like, what's happening? We're way out of rhythm. Um, last week, it's like another easy dub, not a big deal. Uh, this week, even in 50 mile an hour winds, it doesn't it doesn't slow the Buckeyes down at all. So another win, we just continue to plow forward. Uh, And yesterday, a lot of implications on the college football playoff in the course of the evening, and Ohio State firmly cemented uh, in a good spot as it stands right now. So know that, just so you're updated. Uh, Last week, another win, and again this week, uh, which we come to expect here. Uh, Also, shout out to just Ohio State athletics in general. Uh, The soccer team had a big win this past weekend. Uh, The golf team... Uh, One Cal Poly Invitational to finish the fall season, so shout out to them as well. I know when I start naming individual teams that I'm going to leave some out, so forgive me on that, but I know golf is just slaying teams and so is the soccer team, so know what's happening across Ohio State Athletics. Also, great job for being here at the right time, even with Daylight Savings, Uh, It's likely that you don't even have to think about daylight savings because you're not using a real clock. That's my assumption. It's like the phone will just go off at the right time because it automatically changes. That's my situation. Uh, But great job being here. Shout out to the parents uh, whose kids don't know it's daylight savings and get up on their normal schedule, which is an hour earlier. Uh, So shout out to parents who felt like you didn't actually get an hour of sleep more Um, and for those of you that are into college football, and you're watching LSU and Alabama, and that went late, and so you didn't take advantage of uh, last night's sleep at all, shout out to you as well. Great, great job being here. Um, One of the things that I hope you feel uh, as a part of our church is that uh, when we talk about things on a Sunday morning, I hope you feel like Uh, we don't just like work really hard to just fill content. Like, hey, what are we gonna talk about? Well, I think I can create content on this subject or that subject. I hope what you understand is that what populates the things we talk about on Sunday morning, the the drive behind all of that is we wanna be most helpful to you. We wanna be most helpful to our city. We wanna be most helpful to students. Uh, We wanna be most helpful to even families. Like that's what's populating us. And I feel like as we finished up our Uncommon Series. I had a couple moments this past week looking back and reflecting on some things, and I hope what you felt was there are some uncommon characteristics that can be common in your life and can lead you into more of the flourishing life. I hope you felt that, because for me, it feels like we start a new series, and before we know it, we're finished with that series and moving on to the next one, and, and for me, it can feel like what, what's always the next thing? Uh, But I I want to occasionally just slow down, reflect back on, like, man, what is God doing in my life? What should we talk about in a way that would best lead the people who show up on Sunday morning into the flourishing life? I hope you feel like that's what drives us. It's definitely driven us to talk about what we're going to from now in a new series through the end of the year. Uh, It's not a creative title. It's called the Lord's Prayer. You can probably guess what we're going to talk about for the next seven weeks. The Lord's Prayer. Um, I, I, don't, I don't work super hard at sermon series titles, and this would be another example of that. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is what's going to populate the content that we're moving towards. I, I feel like I say often, uh, I think every Sunday is a great time to be here for the first time. I think this Sunday... That's especially true as we enter into a new series. So if you have a Bible, uh, this might be a a spot you're gonna get familiar with through the Lord's Prayer, because we're gonna kinda be anchored in one particular text from now through the end of the calendar year, and that's Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six is the best place for you to turn. If you have a Bible, feel free to pull it out, open it up there. If you wanna pull out a device, that's great too. If you don't have a Bible and want a Bible, Uh, You can just take one on your way out at the table over there on the side. Uh, Shaylin and I, who's my wife, we got married in 2014. Uh, I was like raised in Pennsylvania. She's from Michigan. And uh, we got married and she moved to Pennsylvania, rightfully so, you know, moving out of that piece of trash into Pennsylvania. So for the first four years of our marriage, we were in Pennsylvania and then Uh, felt like what God was doing in us was leading me to ultimately start a church somewhere. And so in the process of all of that, first four years in Pennsylvania, we moved to Iowa, which uh, was a long way away, I think 17 hours from where I grew up in Pennsylvania, Iowa felt random to me. I didn't know anything about it other than I was pretty sure a whole lot of farmers in Iowa were there. And that's actually true. If you have that stereotype, accurate. Uh, I'm a a suburbs, like born and raised kid. So I'm like, the farming world is foreign to me. And once we moved to Iowa, uh, we heard often coming up, because we moved beginning of the summer. They're like, hey, the Iowa State Fair happens in the summer, and trust me, you're gonna wanna be there. It's an insane experience. And immediately, I'm skeptical, because I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a fair guy in general. And I think Iowa State Fair doesn't like stir me to think fun. Uh, and so, I, I was pretty skeptical, but we decided, like, okay, we're living here, so we'll just, like, go with some friends to the Iowa State Fair and check it out. Uh, middle of the summer, so it's, like, hot and, and sweaty out. And so, I'm immediately, like, this isn't my most favorite environment to just, like, walk around. So, we go to the Iowa State Fair, um, and what's true is it's not fun at all. Uh, I, my suspicions were 100% accurate Uh, Again, I'm from the suburbs. I like Italian food, and so these, like, food trucks of just hot smoked meat on a hot summer day, it's just gross to me. Uh, Like, seeing Iowa's fattest pig is not cool. It's literally not cool to me. It's just simply gross and nasty. Uh, I'm walking in in these barns where there's one, a ton of hay, and then just, from my perspective, average farm animals and my allergies are now like being stirred up, and so I'm, I'm not having fun at all. And one of the things that's true about me is when I'm not having fun, uh, everybody around me knows it. I understand that's a character flaw of mine. My body language is screaming, like this is not fun to me, I don't wanna be here. Uh, they have this thing we, we were told about going there, a uh, cow butter sculpture and it was like propped up to be this cool thing. And it's like, it's not that cool. It's like a cow that's made of butter. To me, it feels like you, you literally do a mold, pour warm butter, let it harden. That's like, that's it. I, it to me, it's, it's so uncool. Uh, and so the, the character flaw of mine is when I'm not having fun, my body language screams it, and then I start saying really sarcastic things uh, mostly for me to up the entertainment, but it can be hurtful to the people around me. I want you to know that that's true of me. I hope as I mature, uh, I just start act like I have more of a fun time, even though I'm not. I think sometimes I'm in environments that is just not about me and that's okay. I need to just pretend I'm having fun for the sake of everybody else. Character flaw of mine that I need to grow in. One of the benefits of that for you as a church is, I don't like talking about things or having conversations from any place but a super honest one. I've kind of coded, this is, this is not good, I'm ashamed of this. I've kind of coded this personality uh, when I'm in environments I don't wanna be in and everybody knows it and I'm saying sarcastic things with like this morality of I'm just being honest. Like I can't live my life and, and not be honest. So if I'm not having fun, you're gonna know I'm not having fun. Let me just say, that's, uh, that's not, a moral good thing, but what's positive for you to know, I just want to have really, really honest conversations from here. If I'm up and I've got a mic and I'm talking about things, no, I'm uninterested in in talking about anything but from a platform of honesty, and so we're going to be talking about prayer over the next several weeks, and particularly here this morning, I just want to have a really, really honest conversation about prayer. That's gonna start in Matthew chapter six. Jesus, before he gets into the content that's famously known as the Lord's Prayer, which is a a number of statements. He teaches a group of people to pray. Like, how do we pray? He gets into that content, but before he gets there, he wants them to overcome some hurdles that they bring into the conversation of prayer. And, And what I hope to do is have a really honest conversation to do the same thing, okay? Uh, To be honest, I really want to purchase the next six weeks as we get into the Lord's Prayer. I want to purchase the next six weeks by having an honest conversation about it here this morning. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6. Let me start by reading in verse 5. This is where Jesus really enters into a conversation about prayer. Here's what he says. He says, and when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who, is, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like the Gentiles, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. And he gets into what has historically been called the Lord's Prayer. Now, just so you know, we're going to get into the statements of the Lord's Prayer, because I honestly think there is so much richness and gold in what Jesus teaches on prayer. But Jesus does some really interesting things before he gets into that content. He's convinced that people enter into the conversation about prayer with some dispositions that can be unhealthy as they enter into what prayer should be. He's saying to them, listen, let's first talk about what prayer isn't before we talk about what is. Because what's true is people are entering into this conversation with Jesus Primarily concerned about their reputation. And so he starts off by saying, Listen, don't be so worried about other people thinking you're a praying person. Actually, become a prayerful person. He wants to address it, take a hurdle off the track so that he can talk honestly with them. He also says, Man, you could come with a disposition. That the more words you say, the more impressive those words are, makes you a more prayerful person. And so he's saying, I know you're coming into this conversation with that as a hurdle, so I want to take it off the track. It's apparently Jesus's position that he wants to have a really honest conversation about what people actually think about prayer before he actually gets into the statements of the Lord's Prayer. Let's talk about what it isn't. Let's talk about what will keep you from a healthy prayer life before we actually teach you what should characterize your prayer life. I want to have that same conversation with us here this morning. Because I know for me, and I think likely for you, you can come in here with some dispositions that can strip you from a healthy and flourishing prayer life. And so again, I just wanna be really honest because prayer is something that I think would be really easy for somebody like me on stage to yell at you about because it's likely you come in here and always feel like you could be doing better in prayer. I don't want to just stir up some shame in you. I wanna say, let's just be really honest about how we think and how we feel about prayer before we actually get into the content of the Lord's Prayer the next six weeks. Primarily, I'm gonna talk about three dispositions that can strip us from having a flourishing, thriving prayer life. And if I'm honest, I mentioned this is gonna come all the way up to the Christmas season into the end of the year. And if I'm honest, what I really want for us and those who call the Capitol Church home is for us to be prayerful people, for this to be a prayerful church entering into the new year. It's about this time. I know maybe it feels like, because it's kind of warm out. It doesn't feel like we're almost getting into the holiday season in the new year. But for somebody like me, I'm always thinking about, man, what do I want starting in January to be different in my life? How do I wanna characterize 2023? And if I'm honest, I wanna talk about prayer because I think it's gonna be most helpful to you and most helpful to us, those who call the Capitol Church home. And I also think, It could help us as we start a new year to be prayerful people, to be a prayerful church. And to do that, I wanna do what Jesus did. Hey, you can come feeling this way about prayer. Let's talk about it. Let's remove some hurdles. Then we can talk about the content of the Lord's Prayer to help us be prayerful people. Three dispositions. Uh, Here's the first one. Maybe for you, you don't have a healthy prayer life because prayer for you feels ineffective. Like if we're just being honest, you could not have a healthy prayer life because if you actually boiled it all down, you just don't think prayer is that effective. You don't think it makes much of a difference. Now, this for me uh, is like so real. Uh, I feel like the things in my life up to this point that I've been most diligent about praying about, that I've prayed most often about, that I've been most passionate in my prayers about, have really only led me to disappointment, not excitement. If I'm really honest with you, I can feel like the more I pray for things, the more I just become disappointed in no's. In fact, a couple months ago, Uh, I was driving into work on a Monday morning, and if you could have just sat in that car and heard the honest things, I was discouraged, I was frustrated, I was upset, and I just decided on my commute to work to say some really honest things to God. Some of the things that I said were things like, why am I even praying for things if you're just going to say no to everything? In fact, I had some things going on in my world, things going on in my life. I was really asking God to do some significant things, and I felt like I was only getting no's. And I was incredibly discouraged and incredibly frustrated, and to be honest with you, just mad about it. And so in the car on my commute, I'm saying, why am I supposed to pray about things if you're just gonna say no? Why am I gonna like... Boil down my feelings and my thoughts and and be passionate and be consistent about things in prayer if you're just gonna do what you wanna do at the end of the day anyways. Felt like the harder I prayed for things, the more discouraging and heartbreaking the no's were. In fact, uh, about this time last year, uh, my cousin had a two-year-old a sweet little boy named Noah, and he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and so our family across the board started praying and praying and praying and praying praying that God would intervene, he'd heal this boy, and he'd become healthy, and he didn't, he didn't. Noah died at two years old. And in these moments, I can feel like, why? Why would I work so hard to be a prayerful person if it's just gonna be a no at the end of the day. In fact, I, I, I hope I never go to another two-year-old's funeral. I think, unfortunately, that is gonna be part of my story. It is gonna be part of my life. This was an absolute nightmare to watch. It was an absolute nightmare to be part of a family that grieved in this place, especially because Shaylin and I have a two-year-old. And so it felt easy for us to just like project Thoughts and feelings of what it might even be like to lose a two-year-old. In fact, Noah died, and exactly a week later, my cousin and his wife had what would have been their second child. A week later, they had another boy, and I can tell you that adding another boy to the family does not mitigate the pain of actually losing a child. In fact, I've I've been around families who've lost a kid and some of the most harmful and hurtful things people say to them is like, oh, well, you have another kid and maybe that will help. Or hey, you got another boy and maybe you'll just slowly forget about your first one. It's just untrue. The pain will be part of the rest of their life. The grieving that will come with losing a two-year-old will be part of the rest of their life. And I think if we're honest Some of us, a big hurdle to being really prayerful people, to being passionate about our prayer life, to be excited about where our prayer is, to be on a pathway to a flourishing prayer life is honestly a disposition that I'm just not convinced it actually changes things. I'm just not convinced if I actually pray, it equals effectiveness, think we can ask questions like, why are we supposed to pray for things if God's already ordained the outcomes? If Jesus expects us to pray, it feels like it better be effective or why am I doing it? Because I'm not the type of person that just wants to do religious things to waste my time if it actually doesn't change outcomes, if it's actually not better for me, if it actually doesn't provide for me and the people around me. I'm uninterested in just being a religious person. Are we actually pushed to prayer because it's effective? And if it's not effective, why are we doing it? I think these are valid questions. If prayer doesn't work, if it isn't effective, if it actually doesn't change outcomes, why are we supposed to be doing it? Maybe you've been here like me. Maybe this is a hurdle for you. Maybe you would say, This is why I'm not somebody who thrives in prayer. Like if we're just honest with ourselves, I don't thrive in prayer because I'm not convinced it's effective. For those people, I wanna say you're not alone. You're not alone as somebody who's wrestling with that concept. But what I also wanna say is Jesus in the Lord's prayer is gonna say some really helpful things to us if this is the disposition we come to prayer with. I'm just not convinced it alters outcomes. Jesus is gonna say some things that's gonna add a lot of life and lead us into the pathway of a flourishing prayer life. So this is you, you're not alone. But Jesus is gonna say some things in the Lord's Prayer. As we move through this series, it's gonna be really helpful to those of us that feel this. Maybe for you, this is where you're at. Maybe it's an effective thing that's holding you back, but maybe... It's a performance thing that seems to be holding you back. Like prayer may feel ineffective or it might feel like a performance. And when I say performance, I mean this in two different lanes. The first one is prayer for you feels like you have to prove to a holy, righteous, perfect God that you're the type of person who's worthy of yeses that you're the type of person that's just gonna be religious and devout and upright and good and moral so that you think that level of performance is gonna lead God to love me and like me. He might even be more prone to saying yes to the things I'm asking him for. For you, the hurdle might be performance. Like I just pray primarily to perform for God. I pray to prove to him that I'm a good person. And I think there are a few lifestyles, if any, that are more crushing and exhausting than one that you have to perform to be accepted, valued, and loved. I think that's true spiritually. I also think that's true on a a human level. Like, Like if you're a child who feels like in your home you have to be good at things and perform well and be proficient academically and be a great athlete or have a impressive career or be super good at the things you do to be loved and accepted, that is wildly unhealthy for any kid to be a part of. In fact, if you have human relationships that cause you to perform so that you can be accepted and loved, this is the reason people rightfully go to counseling for that level of trauma. It would be crushing to be in a relationship that you have to perform to be loved And That's true on a human level. That's also true in a relationship with God. I mean, think about the stress in the calculation that would have to characterize your prayer life if you're convinced God will like me or love me if my prayer life is what it should be. Maybe you're more holy than me, but I am broken on a level that if my performance is always gonna characterize a healthy or not healthy relationship with God, that does not put me in a very good spot because my prayer life has almost never been what I'm proud of. At times, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm supposed to pray as a follower of Jesus, and so I just kind of grind through the performance. Like God's gonna accept me a little bit more, he's gonna say yes a little bit more, if I just grind it out, be mentally strong, and spend some time praying. Maybe for you, the hurdle is performance in that sense, but maybe it's performance in a sense of like what we say and how we say it and when we say it, it just becomes a ritual, just becomes formula. Like prayer for me is saying the same things about the same things. The the prayer Jesus is interested in drawing his listeners to is not one that heaps burden on shoulders. It's not a prayer life that you have to carry and struggle through. It's a type of prayer life that leads to freedom and like baggage being removed from you and you excitingly stepping into a healthy prayer life, not like, oh my, I gotta like do this again. Maybe for you, the performance that can hold you back is you just get tired of saying the same things about the same things. There, there was a moment in my life where I felt like I needed to really crank up my prayer life because it felt to me like it lacked power and passion and feeling. And so what I did was I decided every single day I would get into a room by myself and I would spend some time praying. To make this an efficient time, I decided to create these like prayer lists so that I didn't leave anything off and I always knew where I was at and where I needed to go, which I don't think prayer lists are a bad thing. But what that led me to, it became the most dreaded half an hour to an hour of my day. I like hated when it was time to pray, and I'd get into that room just like, oh, I'm like so tired of this, saying the same things about the same types of people over and over and over again. It was so stale and it was so boring that for a while I just decided, you know, I just wanna be a good Christian. I wanna be a prayerful person. And so I'm just gonna to continue to get into that room, dread it, have a miserable time, but at least I'm praying and at least I'm doing what God has asked me to do. I feel like if, if prayer for you is this boring thing that you have to do, or you dread getting into prayer, it's likely because performance is the thing you struggle with. It it just becomes ritual. It just becomes a formula. You're saying the same things about the same things. And so you become callous about who you're talking to and what you're talking about and the power that's at work and at play. And for me, while I wanted to be a prayerful person, I started struggling with performance and that half an hour started becoming so unfun that I eventually just stopped doing that. Because I think if you, if you struggle with performance, it's gonna hurt you. It's gonna harm your ability to get on the pathway to a flourishing prayer life because it's just gonna be boring. It's gonna be unfun. This is where I've honestly been. Maybe for you, you come with a disposition like, honestly, I'm not convinced prayer is all that effective and so it's keeping me from being a prayerful person. Or maybe for you, it's a level of performance that's keeping you from being a prayerful person. And the third thing I wanna talk about is prayer might to you just feel difficult. Like more question marks than anything else. Maybe you feel like, you're not crushing prayer because you don't think you know how to crush prayer. Questions like, man, prayer feels complex or confusing. What am I supposed to say? When am I supposed to say it? What are the okay things to populate my prayer? What are the things I shouldn't pray about? Does God actually hear it? Does he actually care? How long are my prayers supposed to be? What time of day should I pray? How many times, of day, how many times a day should I pray? What should I feel as I pray? Should I be standing, sitting, or kneeling? Should I close my eyes? Should I fold my hands? It might feel like there's so much going on to have a healthy prayer life, and I just don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it, and so it's keeping you from a flourishing prayer life. In fact, for me, I don't think anybody actually taught me this, but my proximity to Christianity made me feel like there were certain postures you were supposed to have in prayer or it was canceled. Like like before dinner, we would always pray uh, as a family, like my mom or dad, sometimes my older siblings. And I was always very concerned that my brother would open his eyes. And if he did, I would immediately tattle because I thought like, this prayer is canceled and I need the family to know that it's Joseph's fault. His eyes were open, canceled. Uh, in fact, I, I did some teaching years ago. We, I think it was like first graders through like fourth graders or something. Uh, and, and they were taught that, like, hey, when somebody, this was out of church, when somebody, like, stands up to pray, you close your eyes, you get all, like, you know, sw- all swirled in here, you, you fold your hands, like, this is what you're supposed to do. And, and I, I don't necessarily think that's bad, but when it was my turn to teach, I was like, hey, we're going to pray, let me talk to you a little bit about posture, because uh, closing your eyes doesn't make your prayer more effective, uh, that would be a difficult way to drive and pray. And I think you can drive and pray. And I would say folding your hands, it doesn't make God more impressed with your posture. Therefore, he hears and responds better. I wanted them to know because I felt like I struggled with it so much. Like if you're a kid, you're, you're, you're told to close your eyes in this, in, in this moment, in this environment. You're told to, to like fold your hands simply so that you don't get distracted. That's like it, It, it's not like canceled. You can't do it well unless you're doing it this way. I I don't know what types of question marks for you surround prayer. I, I don't know if you're like, man, I just don't think I've got good answers to this. I don't know if I'm allowed to say these types of things. I don't know if I'm allowed to actually be honest with where I'm at and what I'm thinking. I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say that level of a harsh thing. Like for you, when I talk about my commute and just being really honest with me being angry at God about some things he's saying no to, you might think like, "Ah, I don't know if I could say that type of thing. Is that okay? Is it not okay? Fortunately for us, Jesus is going to step into some of our messy dispositions that's keeping us from a healthy prayer life because he actually wants to lead his followers into a healthy prayer life like actual normal people. Jesus doesn't teach on the Lord's prayer so that people who are professionally paid to you know read their bibles and pray and teach at church and work for a church so that they can have a healthy prayer life. He's actually speaking to people that have normal jobs and live in normal neighborhoods and do normal things because he's convinced if he teaches them, they could actually have a prayer life that leads to so much life, that could actually have a prayer life that's fully enjoyable, that you don't have to dread prayer moments that you don't have to be afraid of how you enter into prayer. Like, am I allowed to pray after a really bad day, after really tough circumstances, after a ton of failure? Jesus wants to lead his listeners to a place that they have flourishing prayer life. And fortunately, he doesn't need people who are super upright and don't make mistakes and are already crushing prayer. He doesn't need those people. He's wanting to say, hey, there are some reasons that you're not crushing prayer. Let's be really honest about what those are. Let's be really honest about what's keeping us from prayer. And then once we're honest, now let's see where we're at and where we can go. That's what Jesus is up to here in Matthew chapter six. And so it's just my attempt here this morning to say, there's a lot of things. Maybe some I mentioned, maybe some I didn't. I think it would be common to walk in here not convinced prayer's all that effective. I think it would be common to walk in here and feel like prayer is a performance, and so it's just really not leading to life and vitality. Like, you can't act and be authentic at the same time. And so if prayer is a performance, you're not gonna feel like you're crushing it. And maybe for you, prayer just feels difficult. Too many question marks, I think, I think we can enter in here with all kinds of things that are hurting us. And so like Jesus, I just want to be really honest. Here's where we're at. So when Jesus actually starts teaching on prayer in the remaining verses here, we can see that and be led into what's better as it relates to prayer. Now, uh, I'm convinced that if we can just see what Jesus has to say on prayer, it's going to take so many hurdles for us off the track. I'm actually convinced that if we can just see what Jesus has to say about prayer, it could change everything for us. It could honestly change everything for us. And starting next week, we're gonna get into some of the things he teaches on prayer. And trust me, there is so much gold in what Jesus is about to say to people. And again, I'm not trying to stir up shame in you for not crushing it on prayer. I think that would honestly be pretty easy for me to do. Like, you're probably not crushing it in prayer. Let's say you're not alone. You're not alone. You're coming to the table with maybe some things that are gonna hinder you. Let's be honest about where we're at so that Jesus can lead us into a better place. I just wanna help us take the lid off of prayer so that we can be prayerful people and we can be a church that is prayerful. So God can use us work through us and change us all in the means of prayer. I think that's possible. And that's where we're gonna ultimately go starting next week. Let me, let me pray for us. God, I want, my, I want my prayers to be fresh. I want to be a prayerful person. I wanna look forward to praying. I want to be somebody who's convinced that prayer is part of the flourishing life. I wanna be convinced that prayer changes things. I want to be convinced that you don't need a performance on prayer. I want to be convinced that wherever I'm at, whatever's going on in my life, it's not too difficult to enter into prayer. I want to be somebody who's characterized by prayer, not just publicly, but in the most private moments of my life, you would see me as a prayerful person. I want to access that. I want to be driven by that. I want us as a church to be prayerful, I want so much to change in us and so much to change through us. And I'm asking through this series that prayer be something that becomes so radically different than it is right now in our lives, that it becomes something we look forward to, that we're driven towards, that we find life in, that we find a deeper relationship with you, that we love you greater. We've got populated prayers. We can fill content with prayers. God, we need that from you. We're not strong enough. We need your power. We need your grace. Would you give that to us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.